Welcome to Sailing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. Godly sorrow work with repentance unto salvation, not to be repented of. Most of the church world, when we say repentance, we think it's just an act of being sorry, and that's it. When we take a good look at the book of the Revelation, we see the seven churches there. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And each of the churches, it is implied and stated to repent, to change because they have not found their works perfect. Jesus is looking for perfect works. Now these works that are accompany salvation, not of their own works, but the works that accompany salvation, which is Christ in the body, in the church. And it's not them that do it, but the Christ that's in them. Now in the flesh, there dwelleth no good thing. The flesh wars against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And the repentant, just as John the Baptist said, forerunner of Jesus in his first coming, said, bring forth fruits, meat for repentance. Now, by saying that, some just went there, and it was just an act, and was going to be uh, hypocritical. But the sincere in heart will bring forth fruits a godly sorrow that worketh repentance unto salvation. And John stated that, John the Baptist, bring forth fruits, meat for repentance. Who hath warned you, vipers, of the wrath which is to come? Now he expects us to do works that accompany salvation called faith without works is dead. Now notice that we are in Acts 2.38 to be born of the water and the spirit to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, born of the water. The first step there is to repent. That means to have a pure heart and a sincere will and a volition that you are going to serve God. You're going to obey the word of God. You want to change. It means to change, to have a total uh, reversal of the mindset, to change from the worldly mind to that of uh, the Christ, the mind of Christ. And therefore, it is a process. Just as Paul stated there, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, when we get off that path of the leading of the Holy Ghost, it's called iniquity. Now, sin is the transgression of the law. And now, him, he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it's sin. That's transgressing the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and that leading of the Holy Ghost. And when we veer from that, then it's sin. Now we know there's 1 John 1, 9, that if we're faithful in confessing our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But we have to confess the sin. But it does not give us a charge card and to get out of jail free and just to keep committing sin. So what is he saying to the church there at Ephesus? Notice in Revelation, the second chapter, and he's talking to the churches, and we look at that, and he said unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, right. Now, it's very important that we understand that all the churches that are mentioned in the book of the Revelation, seven churches, that they are born again. They have been born of the water, repented, and been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. And they've been born of the Spirit. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, Acts 38. Now, all of them have been in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they know he's the Lord, Jehovah God Almighty, and no man can call Jesus Lord except by the Holy Ghost. 
they know that he is the father of glory. So they've gone from little children there to young men. And the young men there have to be obedient. And Jesus is telling them, when you're first born, born again, you're a little baby. And the newborn babes, they desire then sincere milk of the word they may grow thereby. But then they go to little children. I'm writing you little children because the word of that the sins are forgiven for his name's sake. And you've known the father. And through the word of God, you know that Jesus is the father. He stated that if you've seen me, you've seen the father. The words that I speak are not mine, but the father that dwelleth in me, houses permanently in me. He's one doing the works. They understand that. But that there is a higher glory. That's very important that we understand. These are born-again Christians that we see in the book of the Revelation. And we start with Ephesus, a great church. And Paul to the Ephesians. And we find that the first church that he mentions is in Revelation, the second chapter, verse 1. Notice they are born again. That's very important and essential for us to know what repentance is because it's not just an act and it's over. It is a state of uh, being in the Lord Jesus Christ in belief, that belief, believe in thine heart. The belief in the heart is in the spirit of man, and that is a Greek word, pisteo. It means a, a state of being. It's stated. It's not transitory. It's stative. It's a state of being. But he requires us to walk in the light as he's in the light. That's 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light as he, Jesus, is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. That is the blood flow within the body of Christ. And at that point, then he says, and he forgives us and cleanses us of every sin if we walk in the light. Now, that means that, that we walk in the leading of the Holy Ghost, and when we breach that, we break down the wall. We break down the hedge. Immediately, a serpent bites us, or a bear meets us. And immediately, at that point, we have sinned against God. Now, the church at Ephesus has some very strong faith toward Jesus Christ, as he states there in Revelation, the second chapter. And reading, it says, until the angel of the church of Ephesus write. Now, remember, they're born again. And not only are they gone from newborn babes to little children, they have that growth. Now they're going to be overcomers if they obey the Lord. And he's telling them what is necessary, essential for them to go from little children to young men as overcomers. And we know that in 1 John 2, 12 through 14, that he said, I write unto young, young men, because the word of God is strong in you, and you've overcome the wicked one. Now, the word of God is strong in them. And this is the voice of the Lord speaking to the church of the angel at Ephesus, saying to the church, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars, in his right hand, and notice the seven stars, and in the right hand of him that sat upon the throne, in Revelation 5, is then that right hand of him set upon the throne is the little book, the Bibliorydian. And it has seven seals. And he says these seven stars. Who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Perfected church, I know thy works. In every area, in every instance, Jesus states, I know thy works. He does it to Ephesus. He does it in Smyrna. I know thy works. He does it again in Pergamos. I know thy works. Thyatira, I know thy works. That's how he starts off. And same way with Sardis. I know thy works. Philadelphia, I know thy works. 
Laodicea, I know thy works. And each time he states, this is where you're lacking. This is something you need to take care of, except the church of Philadelphia. There was no reproof or rebuke, but to stand fast there and keep that key of David. But we find in Ephesus, a church there that is in the Lord Jesus Christ, obeying the Lord, and has many wonderful works there. And he says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how you cannot bear them which are evil. And you have tried them which say they are apostles and are not and has found them liars. Well, that's a pretty good church. As if we compare it to the churches today, we would say this is a very strong church and has born and has patience. Well, tribulation work with patience, patience experience. And for my name's sake, and then for the name of Jesus, has labored and has not fainted. You've quit. You haven't quit the gospel. You're pressing toward that mark for the pride, for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Nevertheless, oh my, here comes a nevertheless. I have somewhat against thee. Now, what could possibly be against this church that has this labor, the works, even found to be false apostles, they have a discernment, and yet Jesus said, I have somewhat against you, because thou hast left thy first love. The first love, that comes things of the world have crept in. The pride of life, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh. The world passed away with the lust thereof, and it crept in. We get into a mechanical worship, and we think everything is okay. We still have discernment. The Lord is there. He never leave us nor forsake us. However, he said, you've left your first love. The first love is to love Jesus with all that heart, soul, and might. And then he tells them how to rectify this. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. You fell from grace. You fell from that perfection of works. Then the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ. And he said, remember where you are fallen and repent. Repent. Well, certainly, how could they repent? They're already been born again. They've gone, gone from uh, babies, newborn babies, desire the sincere milk of the word. They are certainly grown to little children. They know he's the father. They have discernment. They've labored in the Lord, and for his name's sake, they've kept going and have not fainted. But yet, he said, you need to repent. Now, that repentance is godly sorrow work of repentance unto salvation, not to be repented of. And it has the connotation that you need whatever is lacking in perfection to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ to take care of that because he's looking for perfect works, just as he said in Sardis, I have not found thy works perfect. And remember where you are fallen from and repent and do your first works over. Well, to repent is to do, not just talk about it and be sorrowful for it, but to change. Just as Jesus said whenever they came to him and he said, you're forgiven, but go and sin no more. Lest a worse thing come upon you. We have to maintain good works, works that accompany salvation. And faith without works is dead, being alone. This is something we've overlooked in the present church world and most denominations, etc. They said, well, you're saved, you're saved, that's it. And there is no such thing of coming unto perfection, which is a lie. Jesus stated in Matthew 4, or Matthew 5, I'm sorry, Matthew 5 through 7, that be you therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's not a suggestion. 
It's a commandment. And someone said, how can we do that? Well, all God's ways are perfect, and all God's ways are judgment. And he has a chastening rod that if we get out of the way of the leading of the Holy Ghost, then he takes out a chastening rod and chastens us so that we will not be condemned with the world. And he says here, there is some consequences that if we don't obey this voice of the Lord, that there's some dire consequences. And the repent is to do your first works over. The works that accompany faith. You show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. Now, it's not just, God, I'm sorry. And forgive me. Well, then we have to cease from sin. Little children, I write unto you that you sin not. And we know if a man sins, we have an advocate with the Father, the man, Christ Jesus. We realize that. But we're not to practice sin. Children, I write unto you that you sin not. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, does not practice sin. Now, that does not mean that we will not fail. That's the reason there's a 1 John 1, 9. If we're faithful and confess in our sins, but we have to be faithful and confess it. And after we confess the sin is forsake it. Don't do it any longer. And he states here to Ephesus, a church that has done much for Jesus' name, that has faith toward God, a great witness and a testimony for Jesus, and yet I have somewhat against you. You've left your first love. Remember from where you are fallen and repent. How do you repent? And do your first works over. The first works that accompany salvation. Well, what would the works be? Well, to put Jesus first in all things. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and might. And love thy neighbors thyself. Repent until your first works over. Even though they had this faith and labor toward God for his name's sake, yet that was missing. And Jesus stated there, somebody said, well, it's just a small thing. Well, let's take a look. Look at the consequence. Or else, if you don't do the first works again, those works that accompany repentance. Works accompany repentance. It's not just saying, I'm sorry, Lord, didn't mean to do that. It's to forsake it. If you lie, don't lie anymore. If you stole, restore it, and then do not steal anymore. If you lied, then repent of the lying and do not lie anymore. Tell the truth. Let your yea be yea and your nay, nay. Whatsoever cometh more than this is sin. And that repentance requires obedience, not of the works of the flesh. By the works of the flesh, the works of the law, no flesh will be saved. But this is the righteousness of God through the leading of the Holy Ghost by faith. And that faith works by love. And we'll see the fruit of it, love, joy, peace gentleness, long-suffering, meekness, temperance, faith, against such there's no law. We'll see the Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance, against such there's no law, will be seen as works that accompany salvation. And if we don't see that, the fruit of the Spirit is because of disobedience. If Jesus is the light, we need to walk in the light as he as Jesus is our example, the way, the truth, and the life. He said, if you don't do this and repent and uh, do your first works over, I will come to you quickly. This is judgment. And I will remove that candlestick, your candlestick, your light, out of his place, except you repent. That's how important it is that we maintain good works and provoke not the Lord to anger and cause him not to serve with our sins and to uh, quench the Spirit of God. 
that is an essential. And we go over. We see over and over again. We see Smyrna. And uh, those, he says, I know thou works in tribulation and poverty. But you're rich. You don't have to have a big bank account to be rich in faith. And he says uh, there that you're going to suffer tribulation. We all are. But during that time, we ask God through repentance and through prayer and supplication to strengthen us that we'll be able to stand in the day of the battle of the Lord. We say to the Lord, the Lord's prayer. Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Which name is Jesus. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. We're praying. And deliver us from evil and temptation and rebuke the devourance. Deliver us from the evil. Well, that is repenting and asking God to help us to walk that straight and narrow path. It's something that has to be maintained. You can't just let it go by the wayside and think it's automatic thing that we do. We have to strive to enter in at the straight gate. Straight as the gate and out of the way to lead a life for you, there be to find it. Though, be careful to maintain good works. Abstain from evil. Draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to us. We resist the devil. He'll flee from us. It takes a conscious effort to obedience to the voice of God. And he stays there, and especially in Thyatira. You suffer that woman Jezebel. Even with Jezebel seducing God's servants to commit fornication and eat things offered to idols. Look at it. He gave her space to repent. She could have changed her ways. Not just saying you're going to do it. But the works that accompany salvation, just as John the Baptist said, bring forth fruits, meat for repentance. What's the fruits? Your heart, a change, and its reflection in life. Grace is not just the unmerited favor of God. Grace is the effectual working of the Holy Ghost that reigns through righteousness, through Christ reigning in your heart, leading you, guiding you, all of us in the body of Christ, unto perfection. Grace reigns through righteousness. And that grace is effectual. It's a working of the Holy Ghost upon our heart, our spirit, the inward spirit of man, the inner man, and through obedience in the volition of the will. Then we see the fruits manifest in our conversation, in our life. They can see the works, the good works that we do that glorify our Lord Jesus in heaven. He gives Jezebel even space to repent and all those that follow her and said, if, if they don't, I will cast her into a bed. There's consequences. And them that commit this adultery into great tribulation, which is the wrath of God, except they repent of their deeds, what you're doing, not of the thoughts and whatever, because what the mind can conceive, and the next thing you know, and we entertain that, every man's drawn away of his own lust, then lust is conceived, brings forth sin. Then sin conceives and brings forth death. It must be nipped in the bud. How do we do that? Well, we repent and do those first works over. Uh, we rectify, and uh, if we lie, we don't lie anymore. If we stole, we don't steal anymore. We restore that which we've taken away, doing all that we can, and make restitution for it, and don't do it anymore. We do not serve sin. And he said, if you do not, if Jezebel and those that do that adultery, even though they're given a space to repent. If they don't, I'm going to reward you according to your works, where you've missed God, the works that should accompany salvation, you're not doing it. And at that, he says, 
That's that great tribulation. That's the wrath of God. Notice in the repentance, it says you ask and, and you'll be given. Seek and you'll find. Knocking it shall be open unto you. But it's keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. It is that it's not just an act we do one time. Repentance is not just something we do one time. We say we're saved, sanctified, and that's it. Repentance is bringing forth fruits under God in accordance to the good works through the Holy Ghost, not of our own will, not of our own volition, but of the leading of the Holy Ghost. We find that David, at the time that the kings go to battle, and we know the story of Bathsheba. And, of course, uh, then we know that he looks upon her, and as he does, he, uh, she's pregnant, and David finds himself in a bad situation because of sin. That was another man's wife, Uriah the Hittite. Well, at this point, he tries to rectify it, has the man pull off Uriah, come off the, the battlefield, sleep with his wife. He won't do it. He's a, an honorable man. His nation's at war, and uh, he stays away uh, from his wife. So David tells Joab, take him up against the wall and let him be killed. Well, notice that in 2 Samuel, the 12th chapter, your sin will always find you out, always. And uh, Nathan comes to him, the prophet, and he talks about this poor man uh, had only one sheep. But there was a rich man that had many flocks and herds, but this poor man... He had nothing save one little ewe lamb. That's all he had. And he brought it up and he nourished it. He grew up together with him. And uh, he drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom. And it was unto him as a daughter. He's speaking of Uriah and Bathsheba, the wife. And there came a traveler unto the rich man. He spared to take of his own flock of his own herd, dressed for the wafering man that was coming to him but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. Now, David's anger, listening to Nathan, said uh, that as the Lord liveth, that man that hath done this thing shall surely die. Nathan, with his bony finger, says, Thou art the man. Now, notice. He tells him, and he recites what he's done wrong in his work. This is something he's done unlawfully. It's sin. And he states that. And when Nathan gets through, and telling, Then David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. He didn't say against Uriah the Hittite. He didn't say of Bathsheba. I've sinned against the Lord. You know the right thing to do. You have a leading of the Holy Ghost. He that sleeps in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. We are filled with the Holy Ghost Christ and it's the hope of glory. So therefore, he expects us to follow the leading of the Holy Ghost for greater is he that is within us than he that's in the world. It's just that simple. Even though David, after he says... Uh, I have sinned against the Lord. The Lord also has put away, Nathan said to him, the Lord has put away your sin immediately, right away. But the consequences of it still in your house. And we need to know there's consequences to it. People get hurt. And even though we're forgiven, the sin will hurt other people. We have to be careful lest a root of bitterness spring up any of us and many therewith be defiled because it does a ripple effect. It does not hurt just one person. And it brings great uh, against the Lord as an occasion from the enemy against the people of God. Just as he said, uh, Nathan telling David, because this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord, 
to blaspheme, to disesteem the name of God. And it does for us today. We are living epistles. We're a royal priesthood. We are to bring forth the works that accompany salvation for the glory of God. They see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And when we miss that mark, repentance is to change and not just say, I'm sorry, but to do the first works over. Put God first and cease from sin. We find that in every prayer, we find David in Psalm 51. Because of that, you can see the cry of David because of this act of Uriah against Uriah the Hittite, thinking Bathsheba, and it's a psalm of David as he cries out, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. He's repenting. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Now notice David's going to go and say, I've hid thy word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That's the way we do not sin or transgress the leading of the Holy Ghost. Him that doth to do good and doeth not to him it's sin. We have to follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. Arts called iniquity, and because iniquity abound, the love of many will wax cold. And Jesus stated there, because you did not do the will of God in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, in the constitution of the kingdom of heaven, he said, because you did not do the will of God, depart from me, you that work iniquity, I never knew you. Even though we call him Lord, Lord, just as the church at Ephesus, just as Thyatira, they suffer that woman Jezebel. He gives them space to repent, but if you don't, I'm going to remove, as an Ephesus, I'm going to remove the candlestick out of its place. So take heed how we hear the word of God, the leading of the Holy Ghost, hearing the spirit of God, the voice of the Lord. Take heed how you hear. The same measure you meet with all shall be measured to you again. So therefore, a person can read the word of God from Genesis to Revelation and understand it and ask God for revelation. But until he obeys the word of God, then, and the faith be tried as by fire, that it can come forth as pure gold for the glory of God, then uh, it, even though you have a chariot there of the Logos, the word of God, you don't have a rhema, the, the, the works that pull in faith that chariot, your Logos, the word that you have in you. That's the reason Jesus said they, that, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. If you don't, when you repent, those works have to be and have to be redone. It has to do your first works over. If you stole, you don't steal anymore. If you bore forth false witness and you've railed against the body of Christ, then you don't do it anymore. And that requires works. Meet for repentance. Repentance alone Saying, I'm sorry, won't get it. You say you're sorry and God forgive you, but then he expects you to go and sin no more. He forgives you. Yes, but then it requires obedience. And that, if we don't, it's called iniquity, lawlessness. And when we do that, depart from me, you that work iniquity. I never knew you. Because the Lord is not, is not pleased and not glorified. And... David says, wash me. And notice he says, against thee only have I sinned. God, I've sinned against you, the Lord Jesus, and done this evil in thy sight. The Lord knows all. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Why? Because all God's ways are perfect. All God's ways are judgment and are righteous. And that is how grace is affected. You can grow in grace simply by obedience. For a person to have revelation of the word of God, that faith must be tried as by fire. 
that it can come forth as pure gold. Then the him that hath, he's given more. So your revelation that you have is not because you just keep reading the Word of God. You read the Word of God, it gives you revelation, and then through your experience, the tribulation tries it. Your faith will be tried as by fire. He always has, always will be. And then it will come forth as pure gold for the glory of God. And there, if a person does not have the obedience and even knows the word, it becomes wickedness because he holds the truth in unrighteousness. He holds the truth, he has it in mind, but in unrighteousness, in his works, he denies him. Jesus said the same, that you draw close to me with your mouth, but in works you deny me. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I tell you, the things of faith. Faith is substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And that's exactly what most believe. Well, I just say the, uh, the uh, I repent First John 1 night and walk away and I rededicate my life for once every year and I'm okay. No, you have to grow up into the Lord in all things and all truth. And that requires obedience as we obey the word of God. To him that hath shall be given, he'll have the more. We grow up into him by faith, and the more that we're tried and tested by fire, that, that tribulation, the trouble we go through, worketh patience. And then patience works the experience. But then we become full age, weaned from the milk, having our senses exercised thereby to discern both good from evil. And that requires experience. And experience worketh hope. That blessed hope, the glorious resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The anchor to the soul that we are sober, righteous, living a godly life in holiness unto the Lord as a living epistle. David said, I've sinned against you, and you're the one that's justified. It's you that is righteous, God. So therefore, you are righteous, and when you speak, you're righteous. He said, I'm a shape of iniquity, conceived in sin. And uh, thou desires truth in the inward parts. In the heart of man, you desire truth. God desires that. He desires us to be adding to our faith virtue, to be honest with God, virtuous to God, pure in heart toward God, be honest with God. And in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Wisdom is the main thing to get. An attribute of God, that is wisdom, prudence, understanding, power. But the main thing is wisdom, and it's in the inward part through obedience. That truth is held and obeyed. And he goes on, and David says, deliver me from blood guiltiness. He says, Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall draw, show forth your praise. For you don't desire sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And disobedience, the sin of witchcraft. He requires obedience. So we're saying, just like that church at Ephesus, in Thyatira, repent. If you do not do the will of God, doing those first works over, I'll remove the candlestick, your candlestick, your light out of its place. If that woman Jezebel had space to repent and all those that followed her. But if she doesn't, the consequence is they will taste of the wrath of God. And it's pretty plain. All God's ways are righteous. All his ways are judgment. All his ways are perfect. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite spirit, which is the sight of God. That's a man that he will look for and that will be used of God in the work of the ministry in the last days. A broken and contrite spirit. Oh, God, thou will not despise. That's who he looks for. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Do good unto one another. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. 
They shall prosper that love thee. Same way in the body of Christ, love the brethren. You've been passed from death unto life because you love the brethren. All through the repentance psalms, you'll see it in Psalm 6. Notice it says that uh, godly sorrow. Paul stated that. Worketh repentance unto salvation. It'll work salvation in your soul. Look at Psalm 6. Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me. The mercy of the Lord endureth forever. For I am weak, O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. Watch it. My soul is also sore vexed, but thou, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver my soul. O save me for thy mercy's sake. And he goes on. I'm weary with my groaning all the night, making my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. And he says, mine eyes consumed because of grief. He's grief stricken because of the sin. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. Depart from me, all ye works of iniquity, for the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all mine enemies be ashamed, sore vexed, let them return and be ashamed suddenly. And uh, that, that hear my prayer, O Lord, and his ears are open to the righteous cry. We see it again in repentance in Psalm 32, uh, a Psalm of David. And he says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man in whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, in whose spirit there is no God. Blessed man that does not uh, condemn himself in the thing which he allows. In other words, through the leading of the Holy Ghost with a good conscience toward God, knowing right from wrong, that your conscience bears you witness in the Holy Ghost with the Holy Ghost that you are doing the will of God. To some, whatever they cannot do, we, they say, we cannot eat this. This is offered to us. This, this meat is offered to idols. Well, thou is nothing, the meat is nothing. But, Paul said, for my weak brother's sake, I will not eat meat as long as the world stands. Why? Because he's walking in love. He's walking in charity. And uh, that's why, blessed is the man who will not condemn himself in the thing which he allows. And that is, through the leading of the Holy Ghost, that you've sought God in the leading of the Holy Ghost to obey his will. And we find when the, in that Psalm 32, another repentance, he said, uh, the day and night, my dying hand, God's hand was heavy upon me. In other words, when a person's out of the way, the convicting power of the Holy Ghost will be there. You will feel this is wrong and repent, turn from it and do your first works over. Repentance. And a true repentance is doing the first works over. You stole, you don't steal anymore. If you lie, you don't lie anymore. If you've brought off against your brother, you don't do that anymore. He says uh, that that hand of God was heavy upon me. And he said, I acknowledge my sin unto you, O God, and mine iniquity have I not hid. Come and clean with God. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah, rest. Well, God's his hiding place. All we have to do is acknowledge our broken and contrite spirit that we have to have God, and then obey him. Repentance requires obedience. That's the point. You see that in Ephesus. You'll see it in Thyatira. You'll see it through the Word of God. And uh, to repent means to align with the Word of God in obedience and do it. You see, charity is not just love. Charity will cover a multitude of sins. But they say, well, no, it's just love. No, love not in word and in tongue. I can say I love you all day long. 
but not show any love at all. Go behind you, slice you, tear you to ribbons, make false witness against you. That's not love. I can say it with my my tongue and say, bless, uh, bless you, brother. I love you, brother, but indeed, then try to destroy that brother. Well, that's wickedness. Love not in word and in tongue, but in deed and in truth. He's looking for that true spirit in man. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of truth. And if you walk truthfully in the way of God, then you'll be pleasing to the Lord and wisdom will dwell in your spirit, in your inner man. If it does not, wisdom can't dwell there because wisdom speaks truth. Charity rejoices in the truth. Not any lie. It can't abide there. So charity is not just love. It's a love for God in doing his will. That's charity. That's reading charity or cover a multitude of sins. It's not just I love God. I love God. I keep his commandments. And because I do, then that's charity is a bond of perfectness. It's a guarantee I will become perfect for the body of Christ. That charity is the bond or guarantee of perfectness. Charity will cover a multitude of sins. It's not just repentance. It's repentance and lining up with the word of God. Charity is the love for God based in the word of God and doing his will. Charity alone saying love is not so. It is based in obedience to the leading of the Holy Ghost. That's charity. Charity is not love. Charity is love-based. It has more than love. It has love-based in action and doing his will. And that's the reason charity will cover a multitude of sins. That's the reason charity is the bond or guarantee of perfectness. And it's the bond that brings the body of Christ together, fitly framed together and compacted through charity. But you have to, in obedience, add to your faith virtue, virtue knowledge. You have to seek for it. Knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness. That's the godlike. Then brotherly kindness. And finally, the epoch, finally charity. That's when that which is perfect is come is charity. The body of Christ coming to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ. Well, we see it in Psalm 38. Psalm of David again. And he says, O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. And he goes on and says, For thine arrows stick fast in me, and thy hand presseth me sore. Any person that is going against the prick, just like Saul of Tarsus, before he turned Paul on the Damascus road, is Saul... It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. You're fighting against me, but there is that waxing heavy on the man because of disobedience toward God. We call it a check in the spirit. I felt I should do it uh, there. I didn't do it, and I felt a check in my spirit. That's a convicting. In other words, I'm saying I'm convicted in my spirit I should do this. And then if I obey, the Lord is is pleased. If I don't, then I have to repent and then do what is right. Not just say, I repent, Lord. I repent, that's it. No, then I do the first works over. How do you repent? Do your first works over. That's what he told the church at Ephesus. It's not just speaking with your mouth. It's an action and doing in faith. By that, show your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. Repentance requires that. Bringing forth fruits meets for repentance. Even as John the Baptist said, the same way today. And uh, we forsake that. Then that we have done in messing the mark in iniquity and aligning up with the word of God. And he said, there's no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger. Neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. Sin will destroy you. It's an action in the flesh, in my members, that is, in the flesh dwelleth no good thing. That's where the law of sin and death is, in the members. Even though we have the Holy Ghost, we must mortify the deeds of the flesh. 
Any man says he has not sinned is a liar, and the truth's not in. Why? Because in your members, and that is in your flesh, dwelleth no good thing. And that's where Paul said, that is in my flesh I find, find a law. And what I would do, I don't do. That which I would not do, that I do. What's that? That's the law of sin. Well, who will deliver you from the body of this death? I thank God through Christ Jesus my Lord when we what? Walk, not just say it, but walk. Not after the flesh, but walk after the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, and we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And we bring forth good works. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. And that glorifies your Lord Jesus in heaven. David goes on and said, My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. No man knows what's right for him. He must be led of the Holy Ghost. I'm troubled, I'm bowed down. Greatly I go mourning all the day long. For my loins are filled with a loathsome disease, and there's no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble, sore broken. I have roared by reason of the disquietness of my heart, in my spirit. It weighs hard in the spirit of man. That weight of sin, that does so easily beset us. We have to look under Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, and lay aside that weight and that sin that does so easily beset us. And repentance is we, we turn from it and obey the leading of the Holy Ghost. And uh, when we do that, we find that the Lord is pleased, pleased with us. We also see in Psalm 102, hear my prayer. Oh, Lord, all of these are repentance in the Psalms, repentance Psalms. Hear my prayer, O Lord, Psalm 102, and let my cry come unto thee. Hide not thy face from me in the day when I am in trouble. Incline that ear unto me in the day when I call, answer me speedily. For my days are consumed like smoke, and my bones are burned as an hurt. My heart is smitten and withered like grass, so that I forget to eat my bread. And the enemies are approaching me. My enemies are approaching me all the day. And they don't matter against me or sworn against me. And he goes on and says, But thou, Lord, shall endure forever. Even though, he said, my days are like a shadow that declineth, and I am withered like grass. So the heathen shall fill the name of the Lord, and all the kings of the earth, the glory of God. When the Lord shall build up Zion, he shall appear in glory. He will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise their prayer. What is he saying? With broken and contrite spirit again. That is to what the ear of the Lord is open to the righteous cry. We must, we must obey the leading of the Holy Ghost. We see it again in a repentant psalm in Psalm 130. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. A supplication, prayer, we give glory to God. Supplication is our request be made known. But thou, Lord, if you mark all the iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the evening. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. We find again in Psalm 143, same prayer of David, a Psalm of David. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications, much as he said before. In thy faithfulness, answer me, and in thy righteousness. Well, grace reigns through righteousness, that God is always right. His ways are perfect. Enter not into judgment with, my, with thy servant, O Lord, for in thy sight shall no man living be justified. We have to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we do that? 
this repentance. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has spent my life down to the ground. He has made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. Meditation. Not just reading the word of God, but meditating, pondering. I muse on the work of thine hands. Think deeply on these things and consider the things of God. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land, Selah. Hear me speedily, O Lord, my spirit faileth. Hide not thy face from me, lest I be like unto them that go down into the pit. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul in thee. Well, it's exactly, lead me, O Lord. Teach me thy ways, O God, that we might be obedient. Let us hear thy voice, that we can be obey, obedient, and do thy will. If any man does not do the will of God, the specific will of God for each individual member in particular, we will not be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God, and thy spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake, for thy righteousness' sake. Bring my soul out of trouble, and of thy mercy cut off thine enemies, destroy all them that afflict my soul, for I am thy servant. Call by thy name. Call by the name of Jesus. So the works of the flesh, there's no good thing. That is, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. But in the spirit, we are to obey, not just love God in word and tongue, but in deed and in truth. That is why it's so essential for the works that accompany salvation. And that's what is emphasized in Revelation the second and the third chapter. In Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea, first thing Jesus says, I know thy works. And that faith, he's referring to the faith as the substance of things so far, the evidence of things not seen, and where he has somewhat against us. He's looking for that faith to come unto perfection, unto the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ, that we all may be presented blameless at the coming of the Lord, both spirit, soul, and body, before he's coming back with and for a glorious church, coming back with the church, coming back for a glorious church, without spot, without blemish, and without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. So who is, whosoever we yield our members as servants to obey, and will we the servants to whom we obey, whether of sin unto death, we must repent. We must do our first works over. We must be pleasing to God in obedience. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Not lip service, but doing the will of God. Well, neighbor, if this has uh, bore witness with your spirit and the Holy Ghost, we would love for you to contact us. The information's on the screen. Give us a call. Drop us a line. We'd love to meet you and work together in the work of the ministry. Know them, but labor amongst us. We'd love to meet you. We see here that God is looking for perfect works, as he stated in Revelation, the second and the third chapter. There many have gone in the ways of Balaam and teaching for her. There the ministry prophesying for hard, hard harlings. Others have gone in Jezebel, teaching the servants of God uh, uh, in fornication, uh, saying peace when there is no peace. That's the prophet of Baal. Jezebel is the daughter of Eth Baal. She prophesies peace. She says, I said a queen, I am no widow, and I will see no sorrow, no birth pains, no trouble, no tribulation. And we know that our faith will, all of us, our faith will be tried as by fire. So think it not strange that probably trial was such a triumph, as though some strange thing happened to us. But rejoice inasmuch as we're partakers of Christ's sufferings and the glory of God resteth upon our head. There's no other way. So repentance is when we miss the mark, we have 
an altar outside where we can go and bear the reproach of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have an advocate with the Father, the man Christ Jesus on the cross that gave us. And he made intercession for the transgressors and that is through the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. If we're faithful in confessing our sins and confessing it is not only confess it, but don't do it anymore. Abide in faith and doing these good works and glorifying our Lord Jesus, which is in heaven. So we can't continue in sin. Sin has no more dominion over us that we should continue therein. And whosoever is born of God does not commit sin because his seed remaineth in him. Blessed is the man that does not condemn himself in the thing which he allows. Always looking unto Jesus' health and the finish of our faith. Repentance? Yes. And that we do the good works. As works accompany salvation. Hope this has been a blessing to you. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Beer saying, Behold, the real Jesus.